Faces podcast. I'm your host, Sheila Jimmy. This is where we chat with our clients and other innovators and industry leaders um, about having an authentic but informal conversation on a variety of relevant topics, not only tech. Uh, but with me today, I have Sunil Gatsi, who's an intuitive branding specialist. And, you know, Sunil, over the past couple of years, had asked for the building relationship on Twitter. So it's amazing how this worldwide starts connecting us. And so, Sunil, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity and um, hopefully uh, going to dr- drop some knowledge bombs and give your listeners um, uh, practical ways to tap into their intuition starting today. Yeah. So let's talk about that. It's that this is you have the most creative title ever because very rarely do I hear I'm an intuitive branding specialist. Actually, I've never heard that before until <laughs> I met you. And you did drop a bunch of knowledge bombs on me, which brings us to the podcast. So like, what does that mean? Yeah, so so intuitive branding, uh, what intuitive branding really is, is when you're looking at intuition uh, and you tap into your intuition, you start to surround yourself with the right people. And the way that intuition does this is by establishing trust. And the trust is established in, the, in and I took a deep dive into the science of intuition. Trust is established in under 14 seconds. And so when you have these things that we call intuitive signals, uh, and you and I talked about it uh, mm-hmm. on our podcast series, which is about to be released soon. Yeah, um, you give it a plug while we're here. Yeah, so that's that's going to be uh, that's on the intuitive wake up call. Uh, so I've got you on two. There's the intuitive branding uh, podcast, and and that's called Crush Your Competition in under 14 seconds. Uh, and then you're a part of the, the second part will also be the intuitive wake up call moment. So it's one of those the personal side of you and how intuitions played on that. So you'll be on basically two different podcast series. Uh, but but in, when it comes to intuitive branding is, uh, and we've all g- gotten to this situation where we kind of look at someone saying, you know, I don't trust that person, or I, I do trust that person. Or you walk into a situation going, you know, huh, you know, something is off. Something's here. off, yeah. That is that takes under 14 seconds, what the research shows, and that's just what they can measure. Um, and if you look at deeper into the science of intuition, it actually it actually happens on average seven to ten seconds before we actually make a decision. And there's more research coming out of the University of Toronto that I haven't laid my eyes on yet, but uh, they've measured that to uh, 23 seconds before we actually make a decision. We all the intuition, your intuition knows what decision is that you need to make, and so when you operate a business based on this, this, this trust, which is built on intuition, uh, you're hiring the right people uh, around you that are gonna really take your core values and move it forward. And they're the ones that are gonna also be tapped into your customers and get your customers trusting you for your products and services as long as they're doing their job and using their intuition. And so when you, when you start having a business just based on this intangible call intuition, mm-hmm. uh, you, employees wanna work for you, Customers want to buy from you and the marketplace loves what you're doing. And when you have that trifecta, you crush the competition because 99.9% of businesses are not doing that. And that's how you crush your competition. And again, the research shows under 14 seconds. And so that's what I help companies do. So that, that is fascinating to me. And one of the things I want to talk to you about is this notion of 14 seconds and having our own preemptive biases and ethical biases. Like I try to tell myself, like, don't count someone out. And I, I always say this, I'm like, don't count someone out. Don't judge a book by its cover, whatever it may be. But you're the science is shit. And I'm 14 seconds, I'm still making these decisions. You know, in this, in this, in this world that we're in, what could we do to be better at stopping ourselves from possibly making the wrong bias type um, acknowledgement about something? 
Yeah. And one of the, the, the important things is that there's actually four types of intuition that actually inform that signal. So when you get the, there's there's two types of signals that you have, mm-hmm. there's the positive signals that are telling you to move ahead. And so that's basically uh, saying the decision you're about to make is the right one. And so we all have these signals that are unique. So for me, when I'm making the right decision, it's basically the dots are connecting or I get a feeling, a sense of flow or even a pulling uh, towards that. And there was one uh, CEO that I interviewed uh, he's run two multi-million dollar businesses now on this this intuitive signal that is an omen. There's this this apparition that shows up behind his his right shoulder, and when it comes up, he whatever he's doing, whether he's dealing with a vendor or a business deal or an employee, he just says yes in that moment. And he's got two multi-million dollar businesses under his belt because of this positive signal. Uh, and then you wow. have these. Yeah, but you, but you learn to identify that signal, right? Like, he has. It's yeah, almost and, like and, the cartoons. You got the angel and the devil, like exactly, side, exactly. Go or don't go. Yeah, yeah, and and where we have to do what we have to do, and, and I'll talk about negative signals as well in sure. a bit. But what we have to do is we have to take the time to recognize what these are. And so, if you look at negative signals, for example, like the hairs in the back of my neck uh, go up. The biggest one for me is I lose my peripheral vision if something is wrong my peripheral vision is gone. There's a hard focus ahead. My eyebrows cross uh, and I just have a focal point and something is wrong. Either the situation, a person, something I'm thinking about in terms of a process in my mind, that's what happens to me. That's a big negative signal for me. And the thing with negative signals is they actually start very subtle in nature uh, and Oprah calls them the whispers and they get louder and louder. And so what we haven't done is that we haven't taken the time to identify what our unique signals are. So we can go on social media and people say, I listen to that voice. I, I have that gut feeling. And that's great for, for, for memes or themes, or it's a nice thing to have, or I live in the present moment. But respectfully, people don't know what they're talking about because they aren't living in the present moment. They're not listening to those signals. And so let's say, Sheetal, you and I do an ex- exercise and let's say that gut feeling is negative signal. And let's say you do your homework and you know that that's signal number one. And yeah. I say that I'm lazy and I come to you after coffee and say, yeah, yeah, I did my homework. I get that gut feeling. It is signal number one for me. But if I make that mistake of assuming it's signal number one, it's, but it's actually signal number three, what I've done now is when I get that gut feeling and I haven't done my homework, I've missed my first two signals. Gotcha. And when I've missed my first two signals, that could be, that's two bad decisions. So I could be stubbing my toe on a door or I could be headed towards bankruptcy. I don't know. You know, that's so, I mean, I talk about my rise and fall as an entrepreneur and you saying that right now, I was, uh, I was actually doing a conference call and I just went for a walk around Miami here in Brickle Key and was building up a nice sweat and was on top of the world. And all of a sudden my phone pinged and I looked down and I got an email and that tunnel vision you're saying actually happened to me. I knew something was wrong. So as I got that email, I stopped in my tracks and I could not stop staring at this building. I wasn't looking at the building. But I was thinking about the email I just got and was like, as soon as I get back to my desk, I got to go solve this. Like my intuition was just like, there's a fire here. Not that the email was bad or anything like that. I was like, there's a fire here. Like you got to pay attention to this right now. And it's funny you saying that. I was like, I, and then I even caught myself. I'm like, why did I stop walking? And why am I just staring at this random building across the river here? And I was like, and it's, 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 I guess, identifying yourself and getting more familiar with yourself and knowing what these signals are is, is definitely self-awareness. Yeah, and, and many people have not, haven't done that. And so, for example, if you go to intuitionology.com, I've got a seven-day challenge, and it gets people to identify a problem, and then they go to their, what are their positive signals and their negative signals, and they actually identify that. But we haven't really taken the time 
to take that inventory of signals. Uh, and the, the, what I found is when I, like you and I did the interview and one mm -hmm. of the first questions I asked you was the, what's, what's your definition of intuition? But one of my first, when the first interviews I had, the first question used to be, when did intuition impact your life? And 100% of the time when I asked that question, it was always when somebody hit rock bottom. That was the oh, time that they realized that you asked the question. I started thinking about as a child where rock bottom was. Yeah, or somebody said, uh, I remember one, she was uh, she was so nervous to be on camera. I don't like to be on camera. And I said, you know, uh, if you don't want to do this, that's fine. Um, and she comes up to this room, there's my film crew, uh, and she and I just just look at me, we'll just have a chip conversation. Uh, and so then and and I said, at any point we can stop this if you're not nervous. No, no, I'm okay. So I asked this question. When, uh, when did intu intuition impact your life? Uh, and she goes, um, well, I ignored my intuition and I was sexually assaulted. Oh, and, for the wow. next 40, and for the next 45 minutes, we talked about all the signs, all the signals that she ignored, one by one by one. Wow. And she got deeper. And this was someone, she's an IFBB pro athlete. She's built, she's a brick. Yeah. And the guy still was able to overpower her uh, and assault her. Um, and, uh, and so I've had those, um, I had someone who, uh, yeah, so I guess like when we think of, when we think of the intuition, we're going into extremes. Like when was I absolutely right? The first day I looked at my wife and I knew I looked in her eyes and I'm like, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you asked me when another way, I think, yeah, rock bottom, like, Hey, when the family went through a lot of financial hardship and like we almost lost our house, like and that's, I'm going to two different extremes, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and when, what happens is when you go through all your decisions that you have, good and bad, mm -hmm. um, they're all associated with some kind of a signal, each decision, and especially the bad decisions. As I just did that exercise with you, it's not if you had a bad decision, OK, you felt something, but maybe that was a louder signal. What was what was the decision before that that triggered that one? And you have to keep going back to the original decision. And the, the thing that you also have to realize is these uh, these signals, positive and negative, are actually jam packed with tons of information. And so the research that I did, I spent over 10,000 hours looking at academic research. There's actually four types of intuition mm -hmm. that tell you what, what to do. And that's why they give you that signal. And the best way I can describe these four types of intuition is through a case study of a non-believer. And so okay. one of my first interviewees was a fellow by the name of John Rothschild. At that time, before he retired, he was uh, chairman and CEO of Kara Operations. Mm -hmm. And so he says to me, look, intuition doesn't exist. Uh, and so I said, oh, my God, how am I going to, what am I going to talk with this, with John? Uh, he said, come on, I'll give you an hour. <laughs> he, just, um, he disregarded all your research. He's like, you he, yeah, he, he just says. This is some yeah. fluff. Get out of here. Exactly. He says, come on down. I haven't seen you. Uh, we'll catch up. We'll talk about intuition for maybe, what, five minutes and, you know, shoot the shit with the latte. Uh, so I turn on the cameras. And we, I start telling him about that, the CEO that saw the omens. And there was another CEO that actually had his, his left earlobe pulsated with heat every time he got into a venture for the wrong reasons, like ego, money, fame. His sure. left earlobe pulsated. And I'm telling John this. And, he, and at the time, you know, a lot of the research, well, a lot of the things on intuition was like voices from God, manifestation. John was an investment banker. So right. when it comes to data and spreadsheets, when you have voices from God and uh, omens, he's not having any of that. He says, Sunil, look, I mean, that's great. Ultimately, your, your success, your decisions are based on learning and experience. And so now this is why, where I'm going to start educating John. I said, well, John, hold on. One of the four types of intuition is called experiential intuition. 
Sure. And, and if you look at your brain like uh, an iceberg, uh, 90% is a, a below water, which is a subconscious area of your brain, and 10%, which is your left and right lobes, are the 10% above water. When you're born, you have five to 6,000 experiences a day at 28 to 35,000 when you're older. Every single day, every single one of those experiences, both good and bad, formal and informal, get put into the your subconscious area of your brain like a library so that when you have a signal, you've got billions and billions and billions of data points that are telling you that if it's a positive signal, somewhere in the past, you've done something similar to say, yeah, you can do this. You've got the skills, you've seen, you've got the experience, do that. And conversely, if you get a negative signal, it's going to say, ah, 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 Sheetal, come on, you did something in the past that this didn't turn out right. So why are you looking to make that same decision then? Again, I'm going to send you a subtle negative signal. And if you ignore that, ignore that, I'm going to give you a louder one. And so one of the things I told John is that in some cases, your intuition goes against the data. And he goes, that's funny, Sunil, you mentioned that. I have an exact experience like that. And so I said, okay, well, tell me what happened. So John was in the business of putting franchise locations together. And so he used a benchmarking system uh, out of 10. And a nine out of 10 meant that they put something like a McDonald's or Wendy's in. And they looked at things like demographics, traffic patterns, and development in the area as examples. Um, There was this dilapidated area of Toronto that his team looked at. It was a five and a half out of 10. And now we're going to get into the second of the four called situational intuition. He walks into this area of Toronto and he just looks around at this area and he goes, huh, you know what? And and, and now he's saying, now he's saying, perhaps this is my intuition. I'm not sure. So at least I've got him to say the word. Uh, He says, I I told my team, we got to put it here. And he went against the team's advice. And that became the first beer market, which was the best uh, franchise. Yes. Yes. That was the very, very first one. And, And it was based on, possibly intuition, according to his words. And then we keep talking about intuition and teams and things like that. And then John's purpose changes. And now we're going to get into the third of the four called relational intuition. Now, now John was as an investment banker, this guy was probably making three to 4 million a year, uh, high end restaurants, limousines, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. He wanted to start owning a business, not run it uh, on a spreadsheet. And so all the people who are concerned about money, fame, ego, all that stuff. None of them, not one asked him why all of the, all those people told him nuts. Only one person asked him uh, what he wanted. And that's what relational intuition does. Relational intuition filters those people who you really want to listen to that are actually there that guide you forward. And so his wife was the only one that his relational intuition got him to, to, to bring in and, and, and listen to. And his wife just says, John, why do you want to do this? And I'm paraphrasing John. This just feels right. Sometimes you can have all the data, but you have to trust your intuition. And my mouth is now, (laughs) my jaw's dropping. Yeah. My jaw's dropping because 45 minutes earlier, this guy guy was saying, exactly. And so the fourth of the four is called creative intuition. Creative intuition is the one that actually has you make the decision. So now you would think somebody with a really good investment banking ba- background would pick uh, a, a business to start, which has, you know, either healthy cash flows or good revenues or a really good strong balance sheet. His intuition says, nope, you know what? You're going to run this tiny bankrupt little restaurant. And so he rolls up his sleeves. He quits his, his investment banking, starts from, well, less than zero. Yeah. And he walks into that tiny little restaurant 
that restaurant was Eastside Mario's location number one. Oh, wow. And over the next 20 years, he grew that to over $2 billion under different brand names, sure. um, all because it just felt right. And that's the power of intuition. That is unbelievable. I mean, so my relational intuition has me going crazy right now just listening to you. Um, so it's, it's it, you know, kind of all the books and everything you're saying is completely resonating. What made you get started in this field? And I know we're going a little bit off topic. But yeah, no, no, that's like okay. We're going all over the place. That's okay, that's yeah. Right. What made you say, hey, you know what, there's something more, like, I love this quote. I actually used it earlier this morning. I said, in God we trust and everything else there's data. And you're making me a non-believer in that quote that I just said this morning. <laughs> well, 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 intuition does take data, right? So if you're looking at the data and the experience, that's all very relevant because all that goes into experiential intuition. So when you are looking at spreadsheets, when you have some data, absolutely, it, you need to back that up. You're like, you can go into a company and I said, my intuition knows this is where the company should go, but I've still got to back that up with data and process and things like that uh, to, uh, uh, otherwise no, nobody would hire me. Um, but but the, the, the way that I started was actually really after my first book that I, I uh, uh, wrote called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. And the premise of that book was that if you were to look at the, uh, if I could document the failures and hurdles of other people, then somebody picking up my book and reading it would should be able to succeed faster because they're going to avoid these other failures these other because failures. they've read about it. And that was a concept. And when I started going uh, traveling around the world talking about the book, the one question I kept getting asked is, Sunil, why, it, you know, tell me the one thing that that's going to help me succeed. And, you know, I'm rolling my eyes saying, look, I didn't come here with a cue card or a PDF worksheet. I came here with a 400 page book. Right. right? Uh, until I went back to the audio recordings. And when I went back to the audio recordings, what I, what I focused on was what was the difference between success and failure when it came to these executives. And I quickly realized 80 to 90% of them, the difference in between success and failure came down to three things. One was that they, they started, when they got to the failures, they said, I'm going to listen to myself. I'm going to trust my intuition. And they actually used that, uh, that I got into the failure because I didn't trust my gut. I didn't trust my intuition. I knew what the right decision was. All that language around intuition. Uh, and so- And we sure also like to talk about their data points were ignoring. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so when, so that was the first thing is to trust themselves. The next thing they did is to hire the right people around them and surround themselves with the right people. And if that meant letting people go, that meant like letting people go. I mean, Brian Scudderborn from 1-800-GOT-JUNK uh, when he started had seven employees that weren't turned and his intuition said, fire them all. And he got rid of all of them. And that was the secret to his success because he surrounded himself with the right people with the right vision that, that embraced his core values that, I mean, he's a behemoth now. And then the third was that once you give your employees the ability to be creative, to trust their intuition, then they're able to make sure that the customer journey is the right one. And so when they did that, that's when those people succeeded. And so I started thinking, wow, so let me take a look at when did intuition kind of hit me? Because now I'm really fascinated about this thing called intuition. Mm -hmm. And I distinctly remember when I was five years old, there were these video games that came out and I asked my dad to buy them. And he said, Sunil, they're too expensive. And I, I had this voice, clear voice that said, Sunil, that's not what you want to hear. You need to go door to door to raise money. And so there's this five-year-old kid. I went door to door, lots of milk and cookies. And I raised $200, a hundred dollars went to my dad for the video games. And the other hundred dollars went to charity because my school was doing that. Uh, and I, that I really felt good about that. Sure. I said, wow, you know, I'm kind of an entrepreneur in the making when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. 
And then I started looking at when did, when were the times that I ignored my intuition? And one of the first things that came up was my career. Uh, and so if, for those uh, who don't know, Sunil, Sunil, I'm a South Asian male and there's four career doors for you. It's doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. Right. Uh, and I hit right. door number three, which was engineering. And I ignored, completely ignored my intuition because my dad said, be the engineer, societal norms or East Indian, you feel pressure to do that. Even though my intuition is saying, be the entrepreneur, man. Mm -hmm. And I got into engineering and I hated it. And two years in, there was this Mexican restaurant chain that was coming up to Canada. And I ended up becoming a private investor in that. And within a year, I was making five times more in dividends than I was as a full-time engineer. Sure. And in year three, I just said, bye, engineering, I'm, I'm gone. Uh, I lost my relationship with my dad. He didn't speak to me for years, but I was loving what I was doing. Uh, you, and you, I, you felt right to you. I felt right to and me. That's, and, I, and, and that's not the sacrifice of probably one of the uh, arguably one of the closest people to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, he didn't, he didn't really take time to figure out what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, right. He wanted to follow his ego, uh, being a good East Indian. He can talk about me, his son being a doctor. Yeah. There was no, where was I in that process? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, yeah, when I when I decided to do that, go into entrepreneurship, I had five or six uh, businesses, totaled about twenty million in revenues, and then turned into a management consultant. And then, as a consultant, there was this huge contract in Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. and I was so enamored with the money. And but the contract terms were changing, and my intuition saying you better back off. Yet the money was so big that I said, no, no, no. Listen, I'm going to spend every single penny to go down there because they're going to, I'm going to reap mm -hmm. a lot of the rewards. And the company never paid me. Uh, and I came back to Canada broke. I had 23 cents in my bank account. Uh, my wife was in India at the time, uh, which where she lived. And uh, I remember coming across the Canadian U.S. border and she's phoning me say, how are things going? And I said, oh, not bad, not bad. You know, I'm just coming back to Calgary. I'll settle in and let's figure out where things are going to go from there. And I, I lost all the, uh, I, like, I didn't know where I was sleeping that night and all my money was gone. Like all the wedding money, wow. I mean, completely gone. And perhaps the most devastating was when I was in engineering, I was doing personal coaching at the time. Um, and there's this friend that reached out to me to said, Sunil, uh, she was being stalked. Mm -hmm. And she needs, she said, Sunil, I need your advice um, on how to get, you know, how to get rid of this. You know, I, I have a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and for some reason, you know, my intuition is saying, meet with her that afternoon. This is urgent. And I ignored it because a, a couple of buddies wanted to go for beers. And I said, yeah, you know, maybe we can meet a couple of days later. And the very next day, that same stalker walk up to my friend in a bus shelter and put a bullet through her forehead Oh my God! and killed her instantly. Oh my God. And so when I reflected upon that, I said, I really got to figure this thing called intuition now because I've lost a career. Yeah. Uh, I got into the wrong career. I lost all my money and I lost a really good, good friend, friend because I ignored this thing called intuition. And that got me diving into the deep into the science of it. Um, and that's where the statistics came out, the, the seven to 10 seconds, the 23 seconds, it actually hits the amygdala, no capacity for language. So when I asked you about your definition in my podcast interview, everybody's definition is different because we define it. It's our experiences, it's our intuition, but we put our own language. So some people can call it, call it voices from God. Other pe people call it, it's just experience. Others say, uh, you know, I get the omens, my, my uh, things pulsate everybody's going to be unique and different. And so that's why we need to go back to the history of our decisions, good and bad to say, okay, what are those signals for me? Because when those signals come up, if we don't do the homework, we don't listen to them. And now we're making a series of bad decisions. Gotcha.
Wow. Uh, there's a lot to take in there, Sabil. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's yeah, no like, problem. Um, you know, there's a, and one of the things I think intuition kind of also drives us is as we're, as we're listening to your stories, we're relating it to things that happen in our lives. And your intuition is more, you know, you feel up, you're down, you kind of have some good sides there, obviously some very downsides there. But is it always the extreme? Is there is there a middle ground? Is it is it always go or no go, or is there like a grayer? No, it's it's a go or no go. And remember, it's hitting the amygdala, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's either you're going to be eaten by a saber tooth tiger or you're not. It's one yeah. or the other. And one of the things that paralyzes us is fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so fear. Uh, and there's there's three types of fear, fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of change. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, then the signal is just saying, you got to move in this direction. Now, and of course, there's going to be mundane decisions like turning left at the lights and things like that. That's sure. different. Sure. Uh, but when you're making big decisions, which is typically when we actually uh, need to trust our intuition, uh, mm-hmm. we get this fear. But what you need to do is you need to still trust that signal. And a very good case study I have is uh, one of the fellows I interviewed was a fellow by the name of David Dame. He's had uh, cerebral, cerebral palsy all his life. And he would go on beaches um, and with his wife. Uh, and he says, like, what if I, I, I can't go on the beach because I'm in a wheelchair? How do, I, how do I actually dip my toes in the water? How do I have that sand caress my feet? I'll never know what that is. And then a couple of years ago, he said, I'm going to do it. Today's the day I'm going to do it. And so he gets uh, the, his, his wife and his handlers to wheel him up to that sand water barrier. Mm-hmm. He gets lifted up and he feels things caressing and he's just loving it. And then he falls fall, flat, face forward into the water and that fear comes up sure. and he says, oh my God, this is embarrassing. What are people going to think? And then he says, Sunil, I have two things to do with that in, in that very, very moment. The first thing is, uh, I could one of two choices. The first thing is I can sit back in my wheelchair and forever regret turning my dream into reality. I am right here. Mm-hmm. Or I can listen to the signals that my intuition is telling me is saying, come on, David, take that step. Come on, yeah. you can take the second step. And he continues to take a step and he points to his chin. He says the water gets up to his, his chin area. And then he turns around and he was blown away by how far he had come. And that's what, you, that's what it means by living in the present moment. No matter what's happening around you, you listen to your signal and you take that step forward and you take that step forward and you don't worry about how far you're going because your intuition is going to take you there. there it, you know, there's a, there's a couple of conversations even as of this morning, I was having with another founder, went through a very hard time and it's good to see he's, he's coming back and we were sharing our, what we call our scars. And, you know, I talked about this on his podcast. Like, you see this mountain in front of you. You're like, how am I going to move it? What am I going to do? And we take it, you know, and he said it too. It's like, we took it, chip away at it, rock by rock by rock by rock. And you all of a sudden, you're like, wow, I actually moved the entire mountain. That was, a, that was a problem. And so, you know, I talk a lot with our tribe here at Travel Scale about, like, we got these big, hefty goals. And they're not going to happen over there. But let's make sure we're taking those baby steps and always going towards them. We're going to get there. Um, and, you know, obviously leveraging our intuition to, to go do that. Can make it happen. And, I, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that, that people, when, when you have that fear, uh, what happens is inaction. And, and some mm-hmm. people talk about manifestation, all that stuff. But 
it, it's great to have those intuitive signals, but you actually have to take action and you, you have to make sure you don't fall back into those, those same habits again. Uh, and, and one of the other uh, uh, people I interviewed is a fellow by the name of Vin Jang. He's an international keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. And back in 2016, this guy was speaking to 100,000 people, 80 stages around the world on communication. He was a former magician to an international magician. Mm-hmm. Um, and by all means, downtown LA, beautiful lifestyle, uh, the, uh, from an external perspective, his mm-hmm. life was absolutely stunningly perfect. Mm-hmm. Internally, he was a train wreck. And his intuition was saying, now's the time. You got to take time for yourself. And so he goes away to New Zealand, tells his wife he's got to fix this. Uh, and it, no cell phone service, nothing. And he starts saying, okay, I'm going to put the values on my wall. What do I want as a leader, mm-hmm. as, a, as a person? He puts them all up uh, with, uh, on the wall and he starts looking at them. And he says, they were hauntingly staring back at me. And he was saying, this is what my wife wants. This is what my, uh, my boss wants. This is what my manager wants. This is what audiences want. Where am I? What does he want? Where am I? Right? Yeah. He pulls them all back and he puts it finally after thinking what he actually wants in terms of his core values. And what he thought was a cathartic event, what he thought was going to be uplifting and freeing, he said was scary because for the very first time in his life ever, he has given himself permission to be himself. And so he comes away with this renewed energy that he's going to live life based on intuition. And he falls back to the same old crowd, he falls back to the same old no big house. brands and living externally and money is everything. And for six months, he does that. And his, his uh, parents come up from Australia uh, and his mother pulls him aside. And she says, there's a saying in Vietnamese that, when you hang around squid, at some point you're going to get ink on you. Mm-hmm. And she says, Vin, you're hanging around a lot of squid. This is not my boy. And so he quickly gets rid of all his friends. So he call, gives a, a call. huge wake up call, gets the minivan, lives, goes to the suburbs, sells everything. And there's something that I call opportunity cost. And opportunity cost, when I explained it to Vin, I said, you know, Vin, it's not just the six months that you lost, you know, you know, not listening to your intuition. It's also the six months that you didn't gain by trusting your intuition. Right. So you've actually lost a full you're, year of you're, your life. You're 12 months behind that. Yeah. yeah. And if you're in the business of helping 100,000 people a year, how many people did you leave behind? How many people didn't you help? And he right. said, Sunil, I've never, ever thought about it that way. And so that's the other thing. If you make a bad decision, it's double the cost, right? I love, I love that story because it was exactly where I was going. So I was having a conversation with a very close family member um, this past weekend. And we were talking about mental health. And, you know, he was like, hey, did you very openly speak about the subject? And like, here's some things that, you know, and we really started getting deep. We were a couple of drinks in, but we started getting deep that on a level we don't usually do. And we started getting deep. And one of the things that we were talking about, like, there could be a dark cloud over there. And everything in us is telling us not to go towards that dark cloud. But we still keep going towards it. And so as we talk about intuition, to learn to your intuition, to do the opposite, why is it that like, and, and, and I see this even when I kind of find myself maybe going into some depressive kind of funk or whatever it may be, much closer I catch it out of now, but like, why is it the step I know I'm taking is wrong, but for somehow I feel like that is the easier path and I keep going towards that dark cloud. Like, what what could we do as a society? I think that would like really relate I'm not sure if that analogy works with anyone else, but 
what should we be doing as a society to stop doing that? Because like you said, it is those baby steps to get away from it. I think that story you just told about Ben, he knew what he was doing was, like he, he identified what was not right in his life and he still kept going towards it. Yeah. And so there's a couple of things. One is, one is, and I, I talked about fear. One is just sort of the fear of going to that, that other direction. Uh, we, everybody loves certainty in their lives. Uh, and so when there's certainty, we kind of do that. Uh, one, and so that's one. The other thing is we haven't really spent the time to take a look at what those negative signals are. Right. Uh, and so that's, that's the other thing. And the, the other, uh, the, the third one is how many of us have actually, actually take a step back to really think about some of these things. Um, and that's, these are areas that I talk about called intuitive mediums. And I, I just did a one minute um, thing on, on being creative. And so when you're be, when you want to be creative, you can't do this when you're depleted of energy, when you're emotionally upset or things like that, you have to just take a step back uh, when you've got the energy and think about the situation. And when you think about the situation and you think about the path that you're going to do, if you know what your intuitive signals are, when you think about, okay, should I take the left or right path? Um, that signal will tell you the left path is the right one. And if you start thinking, well, I'm going to go on the right path. If you even take a step in that direction, then there's a louder signal that's going to be coming or it changes. And because we don't, we're too emotionally high and, and we don't necessarily take the time to step away, cut out the noise, really think so it could bring the emotions down or we're, we're really, really working on dopamine all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, we don't take that time to get into what I call our intuitive mediums and to think about it. So for example, um, if I go on long drives, that's one or in the shower, um, right. or sometimes I'll just have to go for a walk if I have a problem and I'll think about these things. Uh, and when I think about them, I try and, and I think about how do I plot this out and I'm listening internally for those signals as to, okay, I'm thinking about going this way, then this way, then this way. And I'm paying attention to the signals. And, and at this point, you know, I, because I'm so immersed in intuition, I'm very good at picking out what the right path is very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where people just don't take the time to step back and recognize those signals because every single person that's got into anything bad in their decisions, one, and I've, I've got over 1,200 people now I've interviewed, 100% um, of the time, they've known the moment that they made that right decision, there, there was a signal. And so what I'm doing is I'm going back in time to show them what those intuitive signals are. And so, and I'll give you a very good case study. Um, one of the people I interviewed, uh, she went through my coaching program. She had, she didn't know what her intuitive signals are. We got her back to her intuitive signals and she was sitting at home, uh, sorry, in, in her parents, they own a kitchen land in Toronto. It's a big mm -hmm. uh, sort of kitchen, um, kitchen store. Um, and she was sitting at one of the business partners desk and she got this, this signal that we unearthed. Uh, during my coaching program, she goes, there was my, my intuition saying, open this folder on this computer. And she's saying, everything, every fiber of my being is saying, this is not my computer. I can't yeah, click I on that not, folder. I, should not be doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. But this signal was so strong that she says, okay, uh, I, I'm going to click on it. She clicks on this folder and she noticed that there were a bunch of invoices that were being collected by the business partner. That, so the invoices were running through Kitchenland, but this guy was collecting the checks himself personally. And it was a major project. So he was actually stealing from the, the company. Uh, and had she not clicked on that folder, that I think it was a 30-year family business wiped out with one project. That's how big it was.
Wow. And it was that signal that she now learned about that got her to do that. And so that's why it's really important that you, you take the time to figure out what your signals are. Uh, and and this is th- these are your signals. These are your experiences. This is what you've been through. So this is nothing that's magic that I'm going to be bringing up or you're going to be bringing up that's very customizable, that, that is proprietary for me. This is your stuff, right? Mm-hmm. All I'm doing is I'm taking a light saying, okay, here's the signal. It's big. I'm going to magnify it. But you better pay attention to those subtle signals when they come up. And so right. when you start operating like that, then it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what, uh, you know, what you get into, what you don't get into. You're doing, you're taking the steps that are right for you. Uh, And when that happens, what you also start to surround yourself with those people that are there for you. Mm -hmm. And you start to filter out those people who aren't really there for you at all. And so your intuition becomes a really good filtration mechanism. And so, and it's, it's a quality versus quantity game. Some people want to have a lot of friends, uh, but are they really friends? You know, right. in the right. deep trenches, will they be there for you? Right. And you really find out at those rock bottom moments who's there or not. Very and so it's really kind of doing that homework on those. Yeah. And so you really got to do the homework on those signals because um, that's that, that's the engine for your intuition. There's something that you mentioned during, during this, this last little part that we were talking to. We were talking about dopamine and adrenaline. And my mind went to like, what if you're a gambler or a drug addict? And that's like the high chase. It may not be the right thing. Um, and it seems like, you know, your intuition should be, your intuition is probably telling you not to do it, but you're still going and, and going for that dopamine or adrenaline hit. And one of the things that, you know, in a day-to-day life that I try to do is I know if I wake up in the morning and don't jump in the shower right away, I want to be lethargic. I'm not going to get up. I'll probably miss a meeting, whatever. Like, there's, it's just not going to be a good day. But my dopamine hit is well, as soon as I get in the shower, it's like, Sheila, you're up. Let's go. Look at yourself in the mirror. Say your little motivational mantra. You want to say to yourself in the mirror. And let's go start the day. Um, what, what should people be doing? How should they be like fighting that dopamine urge, which may be used against you in a lot of cases? Yeah. So, so when it comes to things like uh, addiction, uh, especially with addiction, so there, there's, there's four types of relationships that really screw people over. Uh, and, and an addiction comes from one of these four um, when they get affected by it. One is when you've got some trauma when you're younger. Uh, and so somebody's put you through something and you haven't emotionally gotten over that. And what happens when that happens is because the intuition hits your amygdala, which is the emotional center, the trauma has you overcharged on that emotion and you haven't taken the steps to really kind of get, get rid of the emotional attachment to that trauma. And so I do things like hypnosis or hypnotherapy to get rid of that for my, uh, for my clients. Uh, and when they're able to do that, they appreciate what's happened in the past. They know that they've been through that. The intuition has learned from those by reading people and looking at the language and body language so that when they get approached by somebody else in that same scenario, that history has come up to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm warning you that this has happened in the past. Stay away from that person. Uh, so that's one of the four. The second of the four is when somebody uh, judges you. And so sometimes someone will say, well, sometimes one sentence will take you down a, 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 a rabbit hole. Yeah. Rabbit hole. And then one to all of us. It happens to all. Absolutely. One, one sentence, you keep harping on that sentence, keep harping on that sentence, uh, and it, 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 it screws you up. Uh, then the third one. Just a, just it, a story on that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. See why it goes down a rabbit hole. Early in my career, I was like supposed to go speak on a panel, and in comes in this executive is like, "You can't speak on a panel. You're not ready." And 
sure enough, put someone else to go like speak on the panel, even though all the reasons to be on the panel were because of all the work that I did. And I remember I could not sleep that whole night, just like that one little moment. And I'm sure that person doesn't even know that they did that to me, but I did not sleep one minute that night. It just drove me crazy. Um, so yeah, even something completely out of your control just takes you down the route of Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and then the third one is what happened to me was, you know, listening to people who don't really care what you want. Mm-hmm. It's all about them. And, and my career is, is a really good example of that. And the last one is judging yourself. So when you're actually doing things to prove to other people, this addiction, uh, people with addict, addicted brains, they're trying to prove themselves to a whole bunch of uh, other people. Uh, and so that's what happens. And so whenever you, de- whenever you have, get affected by any one of these four relationships, what happens is you're living through the values and the lens of other people and you start to ignore what you want in life. And so these intuitive signals are there, but where's your attention? Your attention is on a whole bunch of other people. And so when your attention is on a whole bunch of other people, you're not listening to your signals, you're ignoring them. And so they're saying, no, 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 no. This, this is the path for you. And addiction is like that as well. The addicted brain gets one of these four, uh, uh, these four relationships screw them. Uh, and so they're there to prove whatever it is to other people. But every single one of those people who were addicted at one point that I interviewed absolutely knew that what they were getting into, they had to listen to their intuition to get them out. The, the, the drugs hides the problem. Uh, the, the alcohol addiction hides the problem, but the problem is still there. And they know the moments are there. They open up that, that door to have a, a, a beer. They know they, they light that pipe. They know, and, right. I, and I, I, I'm not, I, I haven't been, uh, I'm not alcohol, uh, I've never been addicted or anything, but every single person that has had uh, come on my show that's had an addiction mm-hmm. problem, 100% of the time, they knew that they shouldn't have done stuff. And so uh, this is where they have to get back to trusting themselves, mm-hmm. trusting the signals that their intuition is giving them, and then they can move on. And that's how they treat themselves. And, and sometimes it does, does take rock bottom. But yeah, unfortunately, so unfortunately, sometimes that's, 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 that's what they're the going to do. Guy. That's the that's the way it is. So, you, so you, there was one thing on my speaking notes here that I'm really interested in asking you, and that is three intuitive pillar pillars you need to crush your competition in under 14 seconds. So, like, what what are those pillars? Yeah. So, so what I essentially do with with any company that comes through um, with a, with my program, the first thing is I look at. Uh, getting the leaders uh, to really demonstrate what the, what's their intuitive signals, what are their intuitive capabilities, and we've got the four types of intuition. Which one of those four types really drives their decisions? Mm-hmm. Once they're comfortable with themselves and trusting their intuition, then they can establish those empathetic relationships with those employees. Then what we do is we take a look at the employees and who are you hiring, who are you bringing in, what are your core values that are driving the right talent, and so the pillar number one is going to be you. Pillar number two is going to be your employees. Uh, and then the third pillar is going to be your customers. So once your employees are on, on uh, they know you're in, they're in a trusted environment, you're allowing them to use their intuition. They map the customer journey properly. They've got the right sales skills. They've got the right marketing messaging going out. That's when they track the customers. And that's the third pillar. And when you have all those three, you're going to start uh, bringing customers in from your comp- competitors. You're going to have people not wanting to leave you. Um, and, and that's how you crush the competition because the competition is not even doing that. And once again, that's under 14 seconds because yes. of the research I've done. And that's how intuition works. And when you have that two-way trusted relationship, mm-hmm. that is a really strong bond. And if it's not strong, then you've hired the wrong person. 
uh, or you've got the wrong customers because they don't really value what you have. Uh, they value something else. And so it's happy to say, it's, you should be happy to say bye-bye to those people because they're the, not the ones that are going to help you win that competitive game. One of the things I'm starting to realize, and I love it because like you really shy away from the gray area. Things are very black and white speaking to you. And even the stories you're telling are very black and white. Like you got two paths, which one are you going to take? Yeah. Um, in, in most, in most instances. And I think we're starting to live in a world where it's like we blend the lines and we blur the lines just because it's the easier thing to do um, way more often. But like being bold and being bold and confident in yourself and what you're doing in your intuition, knowing which way to go, um, is something that, you know, I'm taking to get a huge takeaway from in this conversation. Yeah. And, and if you even take, and we were just talking earlier about my daughter and, and both my daughters, uh, you know, of course they, I talk about intuition all the time. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of understand uh, now that it is about not listening to other people. Uh, you know, don't tell, don't let other people uh, tell you what to do if it's not the right decision. And both of them have actually moved away from bullying incidents because see, they've seen that behavior. It's crossed their values way before that bullying yeah. th- thing starts to happen. They're nine and 14. Um, and so they're quite young. And so to, to make those decisions, to be able to, uh, and Avni, of course, she's got her nonprofit business, but for, for her to stand on a stage and speak, and she's very shy, and, but she gets that, that she's just sharing her purpose with others. And when she shares that purpose of helping those with disabilities with others, that's when you track that tribe of people saying, I want to support you. Right. Uh, and so that's how she's built that business in a year and a half. To which, which is to amazing. We got to give a plug to it. I can't wait. I want to be a customer. But yeah, my, thank you. Yeah, it's, my, it's hard. My empty Miami walls, the art <laughs> behind Samuel right now on this podcast. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. It's, what she's doing. Yeah, so, so, so I'll, I'll tell you the story of how this happened. We were in India in 2018. Uh, and um, she, uh, she's been an artist since she was four years old. And she saw these postcards, beautiful postcards. And then she found out that these were people who didn't have arms. And she goes, dad, like these, look at how these people are treated and look at the beauty they have in the art. This is so beautiful. I want to help them. And of course, her dad being with intuition says, it's got to come from you. What does your intuition tell you? And um, so I just let it rest with her. Six months later, we're playing uh, some board games in our living room and she's just staring into space and she whips her head around. She goes, dad, I'm ready. And of course, I have no clue what she's talking about because we're playing a board game, right? <laughs> I said, ready? It's not your turn. It's your daughter's. It's, it's my other daughter's name. What are you talking about? She goes, no, no, no. Remember that thing that happened in India? I said, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So what does your intuition say? I'm going to open a nonprofit business. Uh, I'm going to start painting. I'm going to bring, I'm going to raise some money. Uh, I'm going to have a, an event where people get, with those with disabilities can come and the money I raise is going to help them uh, uh, feel special. I'm going to pay for everything and then I'm going to keep doing that. And I said, okay, are you sure? And she goes, 100%. The very next day, we opened up uh, an official, official federal nonprofit corporation. Uh, a month and a half later, she has her first fundraiser. Her target was $2,500. She raised over $5,000. All her originals were gone in the first hour of a three-hour event. We even had somebody from Scotland FaceTiming watching and bought a painting. Uh, a, a couple of months after that, uh, we had a pop-up event. Staples sponsored that event. I know we've got some time coming up. Um, oh, Staples, okay. uh, Staples sponsored the event, and um, it, it, she had people from big brothers and big sisters, Down syndrome, um, and all these people with disabilities, a couple of people in wheelchairs had come and they just painted 
to um, uh, just to feel feel really really good. And the one thing that really solidified her purpose, there's this fellow uh, named Carl who has a cerebral palsy, and he says, um, oh sorry, Parkinson's disease. He had Parkinson's disease, and he says, Avni, come here, come here. And so Avni comes up to him, and we, this is on video, by the way. This guy's arm was, if, if people can see, his left arm was just shaking violently. Yeah. And he says, this is what your event is doing to me. He takes his, his paintbrush, dips it in paint, and starts to paint. And his left arm stops his shaking. Arm stops shaking. And he said, my mind is free. My mind is clear. I have not painted since I was 18 years old. Uh, this is a 40-some-odd-year-old man. Thank you so much for what you do. And that is purpose-driven entrepreneurship. And right. that's exactly what she's there to do. And so her painting, the money she's ra raising is for that moment and moments right. like that for everybody who attended her event. And then what we did is we took all those paintings, we put them on a shirt mm -hmm. and we hand delivered that shirt with her logo of the course in the back to each and every attendee. And they were like stunned saying, Oh my God, I had no clue. And the joy that yeah. brought somebody in a wheelchair or with Parkinson's disease or with Down syndrome or what have you, or big brothers, big sisters for these poor kids that have trouble at home. She's been able to give them a moment of joy, two hours of joy where they were just themselves. Right. Um, and, and, and that's when you do things and you, you're humble about it. Right. And so those, so the, those are the basic skills we're teaching her about being humble, living her purpose, trusting your intuition, but that's the output that comes from those inputs that are intangible but now we've got some tangible outputs and what a way to live a life. It's what a great way. What a great story. I want to make sure everybody knows that I go to heartification.com um, and, and then purchase some paintings. What a great cause. Um, definitely. Thank you. And if you ever want a piece of art on your wall that has a deep story behind it, you just heard it. So that's even, even more impactful. I think, you know, as you're, as you're, as you're telling me the story, I'm falling in love with the art without even seeing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but she'll well, she'll be sending you a, an email for a podcast interview. So, uh, so uh, I'll be I'll be happy to do it. I'm, awesome. I'll be humble to do it. He must be a really proud dad. Very uh, proud. Very, very proud. Very yes. proud dad. And what a great way to even you know for the parents listening here on getting comfortable. It's to me one of the things you know speaking to you is like you're helping me get comfortable with my inner self. And I think it starts with you, right? Get comfortable with your inner self and you can pass these awesome experiences down to your children, as opposed to being the rat racer or the hamster wheel, just going a thousand miles an hour, really with no purpose driven um, initiative, right? And so, like, listening to your intuition and knowing yourself is going to only help those around you more. Very hard on story. Very hard on story. I hope you. I summarize that. Right, right. Yes. <laughs> um, so, one of the you know, we've talked a little bit about the science. We've talked about the, the various pillars and how you can like dissect this stuff. Um, where has some of your teaching gone the wrong way? I always like to talk about, and you wrote a book on this, like where the, fa the failures, where have the, where's been like, oh, I was trying to work with someone and it completely effed up and why? Yeah, absolutely. So, so my failures have been always when I didn't trust myself. I, uh, I, I uh, you know, with the management consulting contract that went south, my engineering career, and when I ignored those, it just went completely no, I, I, south. Actually, I, I mean, like when you're working with a customer. Oh, and the customer. Hey, I want to be. I want. I want to have intuition as part of our philosophy as a competitive yeah. edge. 
for me personally, for my employees, and that went wrong. Yeah. So, so one of the things that the way that intuition works is, is it's instant in nature. And so when, when you approach a comp, a business or a process or a problem, uh, everybody will have uh, an intuitive thought about that. And what you need to do is back that up with data and your processes to make sure that that happens. And to give you a case study, there was one company that uh, I approached and they were struggling. They were about $400,000 in, in uh, they had about six months of cash left. Uh, and so the, the two co-CEOs just needed some help saying, can you salvage our company? Um, and so they hired me on. And right away, as soon as I walked in, I just, I had a team meeting with everybody and it, it I could just, my intuition said there's zero trust between management and employees. And then it also identified a couple of cancer employees that you just knew just by the, their, their body language and how they answered a couple of questions, these people have to go. And so one of the first things I did, even though the, the company was struggling, is I need to rebuild that trust. I told the two co-CEOs, back off. Let me move it from here. If you want to save your company, this is, has to be done the right way. Um, first thing I did is, is I raised wages for everybody. And that they're going, hmm, wow, you know, this, this new guy We're seems burning to cash. Care. We're burning cash. We want to extend our role. We want to spend more money. And the employees are like, great. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, so that's, that's the first thing is that they were valued and, right. you know, rightfully so they were being paid minimum wage for a really good skill set. So I just brought them up to really kind of industry standard and then a little bit more to show that they were, and I, I, and I appreciating and instituted some uh, year end bonuses and things like that. We had some new contracts signed uh, and then we decided, okay, how do we fix this company? And it was involving them in the process. Uh, and once I got involved the, the employees, then I said, these are really good ideas let's let's implement them and never before were they ever listened to and once they started listening to that then they started we started tapping into the customer journey and then the customers started getting feeling appreciated so now the employees are dealing with customers by this time we got rid of the employees that were bad that really didn't care they saw the customers as numbers and pretty soon we took that four hundred thousand dollar company in two and a half years we raised that to three and a half million we expanded like crazy uh, and the customers were, and this was in the healthcare space, so physiotherapy mm -hmm. and massage, we were getting groups of people coming in swaths together because it was so fun in this sort of uh, treatment area. And, you know, normally they would close the, uh, uh, the curtain there because they're being treated. They'd open it up, they'd start telling jokes, and it was like, it was like being in a bar. Right. Yeah. And, but although yeah. this is like a physiotherapy office and the experience, they, became the experience was great. And like three, as opposed to like, Ow, you're hurting me. <laughs> absolutely. Like three or four right. people coming at once. There was one who was a local police officer. He started telling other people. And, uh, and of course there's some insurance based stuff, but then we had swaths of police officers coming. And so they started doing the marketing for us. Um, you know, 10% off massages on their birthday. And we had all these cards come out and they felt so appreciated. Uh, the employees were having fun. And they were being valued. And it was a great, uh, great experience. And so when I was in expansion mode and looking to uh, go to other cities, I could concentrate on being creative and looking at the right places to go because the underbelly of the, uh, of the processes that went underneath that, the operational stuff was taken care of by my, by my employees because they were happy to do that. Mm -hmm. So I can be creative. I can expand the underbelly of, of the pillars, the foundation, were already being cared, um, taken care of because I cared for employees and I cared right. for the customer. And that's how we were able to expand uh, to three and a half million uh, from six months left in the runway. And it was all based on trust. Mm -hmm. Trust, this intangible thing called trust. Mm -hmm. And if you want 
metrics. We can always look at productivity. You can always look at the three and a half million in two and a half years, but those are laggard indicators. And too often we hang our head on laggard indicators when it should be the leading indicator that we should concentrate on, mm-hmm. which is treating people right. The right. And gotcha. that leads to productivity increases. That leads to trust in the environment. That leads to the bottom line. That leads to multiple pur- pur- uh, purchases, at least to decreased marketing costs, tons of stats out there. But that's really based on trust and that's built on intuition. And that's, again, where your 14 seconds comes in. So I, I, love, the, I love the method of, of how you describe it. It's like, hey, let me speak to the founder or the CEO or whoever it may be. And then let me get the team involved because that's where the proof is in the pudding, you know, we, like, and, and then get buying from everyone to actually go yeah. achieve actionable, actionable objectives, which I think is, it seems so simple. Um, but it's it's something as a founder I struggle with. I'm sure a lot of my peers know and, and struggle with. Um, and so you you have this process that you could actually come in and implement for for, for these founders or these executives who have have larger teams and enterprises. Yep. Very very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm, I'm actually really interested because like now I'll be with you even at Travis. How can we get better at doing? Awesome. I'd love to help out and and, and start and start working on that. And I'm not just saying that because you're on a podcast. Like I think you've hit a lot of different tones and a lot of things. I know as a founder, why do I got to recreate the wheel? Like I'll have somebody hold my hand and take me down this journey the right way. Um, and so my intuition is yelling and screaming to go do this with you, just, just so you know. Um, so, so, you know, before we end off here, what are some key takeaways you think our should, 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 should remember from this conversation? The first thing is find out what your intuitive signals are. That's very, very important. Recognize that it's like driving a car. When you drive a car, you turn the key, press the button, and you hear the engine roar and you, you run. You don't need to know what's under the hood, the four types. If you want to dive into that, absolutely no problem. You know, that's something I can help you understand. Uh, but just listen to your signals. What are the positive ones? What are the negative ones? Go back in history. And you can do this today. You go to a sheet of paper. What were the, the, the good decisions you made? And what did it feel like? What the bad decisions you made? What did it feel like? And you keep going backwards to the original uh, intuitive signal. Mm-hmm. Once you have these inventory of signals, every single decision you make will be accompanied by that signal. Right. And then sp- spend the time initially to listen. If you have a really important decision, take a step back and figure out what are the signals attached to that decision. And as you get more experienced, that's going to become quicker and quicker and quicker. And then find out where you where you listen to them best. In the shower, you mentioned one. Shower for me is, is is a big one. Just before I go to bed, when I just before I go down with my daughters, I um my wife and I have this routine that we sleep with each of the daughters and have a chat before they go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time, even before my pillow hits the the, the pillow, uh, my head hits the pillow. I'm out. I'm in la la land, thinking about intuitive <laughs> thoughts. And then they all say, you know, they put their arms in front of me. Dad, are you thinking about intuitionology again? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm so comfortable here. But figure out what that is for you. So if it's biking, it's if it's going for walks, sailing. Mm-hmm. whatever it is, think about those decisions, think about those signals and take the time to do it. Don't go off of these uh, themes on social media saying, I trust my gut. I, I live in the present mm-hmm. moment. Uh, you know, well, I you listen to we, chasing, we talked about it. We're chasing that dopamine again. That's probably not right. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, do what's right for you. And who cares about uh, other people's uh, that don't, re- that aren't part of your, your tribe. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you're going to get a lot of negativity. You might get some opinions. Who cares? This is your train. This is the track you're on. Uh, and if people don't like it, tell them to get off at the next station. If they continue to bother, kick them off the train. Right. 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 Awesome. So, you know, how, do you, how do our listeners get a hold of you? 
Absolutely. So if it's anything on intuitive branding, they can go to sunilgodsey.com uh, and they can book a call to see if uh, I can help them in any way. Uh, on the personal side, if they're looking to strip their relationships in under 14 seconds, they can go to intuitionology.com. I do have a seven-day challenge uh, there that people can go through. Uh, and in that seven-day challenge, they pick a problem and I actually get them through a seven-step proprietary process on getting a, a few of the signals. Um, and in that seven-day challenge, I have two people that actually go through with them in every single day one person actually sold his house in seven days. Um, and, and so uh, he sold his, his house in seven days uh, in that challenge. Wow. The stories you got are just, I mean, I guess after you meet with over 1,200 people just studying intuition, oh, you yeah, it's crazy. see it all. Crazy, crazy wow. stories. Sunil, thank you so much for joining us on the First Name Basis podcast. Uh, it's been a very informative talk to me, almost game-changing for me, and just thinking about how I'm thinking about some of the choices I make in life, and I hope it's been the same for our listeners. You can catch the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. We blast it everywhere. Um, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.